All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speak to the Beak. I am Tim the Ferds. Uh, Thanksgiving Day edition of the pod. I'm recording this approximately 8.30 uh, after the two games on Thanksgiving. No Lou tonight, uh, as he is off doing, you know, family-related activities. We don't really do that around these parts, at least this late at night, so we are free to record the podcast. Um, so working a little overtime to get you guys some content on a Friday. Uh, maybe hit us up before you go shopping. What I'll do today, as you guys know, normally on thir- you know the Friday podcast, which I record on Thursdays with Lou, uh, we kind of preview all the games coming up, and sometimes we hit on the Thursday night game. Uh, this week, no Thursday night game because Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh got moved to Sunday because of COVID, and now I'm getting updates that it's not might not happen on Sunday. So we'll talk about that in a second. But we had two games today, so we'll kind of recap today's games and then look forward to the weekend. So let's start with a little recap. Uh, I have two major takeaways from the first game. Houston Texans, Detroit Lions. Takeaway number one, which was pretty obvious, but now it's like kind of confirmed. Um, Bill O'Brien was really weighing down the Texans team and spe- specifically Deshaun Watson. Um, Watson has been on a tear the past you know four or five weeks. In today's game, he went 17-25, 318 yards, four touchdowns, which included two long ones to Will Fuller. Um, I still think the Texans are in trouble long-term because they have no picks and they have no cap space. Bill O'Brien really messed them up going forward. But at least they know. I mean, they knew already that Watson was, you know, like a superstar quarterback. But the fact that he's doing it with no defense, no offensive line, and no running game, Uh, He's definitely someone they should try to keep around super long-term. I know he signed like a little bit of an extension a little while back, uh, which I forgot exactly what that contract was, so we'll hop on that real quick. But let's see what we got here, looking up as we speak. Uh, So he signed a four-year, $156 million contract. So he's under contract until he's 29, um, which is not until 2025, but... So they have him for a while. He does have a potential out um, after 2023, which I'm assuming he could take because he could hit the open market again and get like a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, He's a full no trade clause, so he's not going anywhere. Um, And the Texans are going to have to try to build the best team around him that they can. Like I said, they don't have any cap space uh, because, you know, they mismanaged their team from the top down. They currently don't really have a general manager and they don't have a head coach going forward, but they might be able to land, you know, a hot head coaching candidate strictly because of Deshaun Watson, even though if everything around him is barren. Uh, Will Fuller is a free agent after the season's over, so he might not even be there next year. Uh, I don't know if they're going to try to keep him or what the deal is. He's obviously going to command a decent amount of money on the open market, especially because this year he's healthy for the first time in his entire career he's healthy. They crushed the Lions 41-25. My major takeaway from the Lions here, um, well, is that I I don't really know what Matt Patricia's doing, and he's gonna he's gonna get fired at the end of the year. There's no way that he doesn't get fired. But if you're if you're a head coach, right? Because the problem is ownership. That's why the Lions are bad. Every team, if you look at every team, that's been bad for like a really really long time. It's because ownership is terrible. So, and, you know, I, have, I know a couple of Lions fans, and they are livid 
with how not even livid. They, they've passed that point. They're not mad anymore. They are disappointed that they're never really going to get over the hump unless they have new ownership and they're never going to sell the team. So if you're the Lions, it's kind of like, who do you bring in to coach the team? Right, you had Jim Caldwell before this. He got you to the playoffs like two or three times, I believe. I know he had a winning record majority of his time there. Um, and now they're 4-7. and seven. They're in last place in the NFC North or tied for it. I know Minnesota hasn't played their game yet this week. I don't really know where, where Detroit's headed because they're kind of in that strange, you know, like purgatory place where, you know, Matt Stafford's good enough with nothing around him to win you like six games a year, which means you're never going to get a quarterback. Um, not that I think you need a quarterback because I think Matt Stafford's a good player. And obviously, if you could support him with any type of defense or any type of run game, he wouldn't have to drop back to pass like 45 times a game. Uh, now, they do have DeAndre Swift, but the offensive line's still not good. I'm just thinking long term, I don't know really what the Lions' plan is. Like, Do you think if a, a new general manager and a new head coach come in, they might say, hey, you know, Stafford's good, but like we got to swing for the fence here because we're working, you know, we're battling uphill? I, I don't really know. Um, but that was kind of... When I was watching that game, and both, by the way, both of these defenses are terrible. Um, both every, running backs from both teams, just like, oh, you fumble, oh, no, we don't want it. you fumble, oh, we don't want it. you fumble. Great. Um, it was tough to watch for a little bit, but at least there was points. Uh, in the second game, this one I can keep this pretty quick. Washington beat Dallas forty-one to sixteen. I know it doesn't sound close. It was close until Washington scored two touchdowns and like seven seconds or something ridiculous like that. Uh, Antonio Gibson went nuts, 20 carries, 115 yards, three scores. Uh, he also chipped in in the passing game as well, or receiving game. Um, and then Montez Sweat had a pick six uh, off Andy Dalton. So that's kind of when the game got out of hand. We know the Cowboys are in trouble. Obviously, we've known that for a while. Uh, Washington is doing the opposite of what my brother wants them to do, which was lose every game. And now I believe that they are in first place or tied for first place. No, the Eagles only have three wins. So they're in first place, um, which is kind of pathetic. That's how bad the NFC East is. Uh, they'll have some competition, though. We're going to talk about the Giants in a second. But uh, Washington won, blew them out. Not really much to say for either team there. It was kind of The game went kind of how I expected, just I didn't think Washington was going to put up 41 points. So that's kind of that. Um, so let's go through the slate of our Sunday games. A little preview action here. Uh, we'll try to hit on some games more than others because, you know, we talk. I like to talk about the important games or games that I like, not necessarily games I don't care about. So first game on the slate, we have the Las Vegas Raiders playing the Atlanta Falcons. Two teams that I don't really know what to do with. Um, the Raiders are 6-4, and four, and they have been impressive all season. I They're just a team that I can't buy into because their defense is so bad. But, I mean, I know they keep winning, and they beat the Chiefs once, and then they gave them all they could handle in the second game. But, and Derek Carr is playing really well. Like, I get it. Like, the Raiders are a good team, and I should be, like, all in on the Raiders, or at least, you know, they're fighting for a potential playoff spot. I just don't I hate their defense. I hate it. Um, but if there's one thing I hate more than the Raiders' defense, it's the Falcons' whole team. I can't stand them. Um, if you read what I'm writing, 
or you listen to the podcast. I know I say this every week, but I, I can't figure out the Falcons. Every time I pick them to win, they lose. And every time I pick them to lose, they cover or win the game and they completely screw me over. I can't stand the Falcons. Right now, it's Vegas giving three points. Sounds about right because Vegas is a much better team than Atlanta. I think there's going to be a ton of points scored in this game because the Raiders obviously can't stop anybody and neither can the Falcons. The Falcons should be able to move the ball, uh, at least with Matt Ryan, a quarterback. Pretty much they move the ball against everyone except the Saints, and that seems to be a common theme the past couple of weeks. But I'm going to take the Raiders here. Um, the Raiders know if they even want to have an outside chance at winning the division, they pretty much have to win out the rest of the way. So you can't lose to the 3-7 and seven Falcons. It just can't happen. Um, now, they could be due for a letdown after they gave Kansas City all they could handle. But I'm going to stick with the Raiders anyway. I think you know they're just going to run the ball. You know They're going to have a typical Raiders game. They're going to run the ball 20 to 25 times with – Josh Jacobs, and then, you know, Devontae Booker will get a couple of carries here and there, and then pretty much it's going to be just Darren Waller, and then apparently Nelson Aguilar remembered remembered that he could catch, so you got him. Julio Jones, I'm pretty sure, is questionable. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury the whole season, um, so I'm not sure if he's going to go, but I'm going to take the Raiders there. Uh, Next game on the slate, this one's exciting, uh, mostly because I love Justin Herbert right now. The Chargers are going to Buffalo to play the Bills. It's supposed to be a pretty nice day out. Um, the line has moved when I took the game. If you read a, the uh, Friday Fire, it was Chargers getting six. That's down to Chargers getting five and a half from Buffalo. Um, I'll, I want to see if the Bills fix their defense. Because, I mean, before the bye, their defense was putrid. And that's normally, the past couple of years under Sean McDermott, that's the Bills you know, best part of their team is their defense. Now, they've opened it up on offense a little bit, but I don't, I don't know if they could stop anybody. And then a team that, another team that can't stop anybody, and there's a lot of teams that don't play defense. The Chargers are out here moving the ball up and down the field at will with Justin Herbert, a quarterback. Uh, and with Joe Burrow injured, he is a lock to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's not even a debate anymore. Um I know someone suggested like a week ago that it was Tua. I'm like, he's only played like three games and he hasn't done anything in any of them. So I don't know how that's possible. Um, but Justin Herbert, like I said, going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's been crushing it. Keenan Allen's been crushing it. I mean, pretty much the entire Chargers offense is crushing it. Austin Eckler might even be back this week. We'll see. I have my fingers crossed because I have him in like four different fantasy leagues. So please, I need you to come back, buddy. I know I saw Austin Eckler announced on like a game stream or something that he was doing that he wants to play this week. So we'll see if the Chargers activate him. Um, the Bills need this game because Miami did get hot for a little while there, and they are now six and four, so they're one game behind Buffalo. So Buffalo needs this one. Uh, the Chargers always find ways to lose games. The last week they almost blew the game against the Jets. So I mean that should tell you all you need to know about them. I'm gonna take the Bills even though I did pick the Chargers to cover. Uh, like I said, I got it at six. Five and a half is still close. Uh, my fact about the Chargers that I kind of was leaning on, every single one of their losses has been one possession or less. So every time they lose, it's less than eight points. Um, so I think that's why I took them to cover. But like I said, I'm going to take Buffalo. I think Josh Allen kind of got back in the groove the past you know week or two before the bye. 
And I, you know, the Chargers can't stop anybody. They don't scare you. John Brown should be healthy for Buffalo. Stephon Diggs is obviously still there. This is going to be a game that features a, a ton of points. Over under 53. I'm definitely taking the over on that. Um, and that's all I got for that one. Next game, not going to spend too much time on this. Um, New York Giants, Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals have don't have Joe Burrow. Excuse me. They do not have Joe Burrow, which means they have a 0% chance of winning this game. Um, the Giants should run away with this one. The line is currently Giants giving six. Uh, I took that and ran with it for the Friday fire. The only thing I have to say on this game, because I think, like I said, the, the Giants are just going to handle business here and get a win. This is why when either you're tanking indirectly or you're directly tanking whatever for a quarterback, you need to make sure that you at least, you know, you build up the offensive line before you get that quarterback so that they're at least competent when you acquire the quarterback, right? You know, we saw David Carr, this is a long time ago, David Carr got killed playing for the Texans, and he was pretty good, but... You know, he always he kept dropping his eye level after that. He always thought he was going to get hit. You had Blaine Gabbert, who got drafted by the Jaguars, who just got killed every single season. Was Blaine Gabbert any good at football? I don't know. We didn't even get a chance to see because it's hard to play football when you're on your back. And we've seen Joe Burrow get killed a lot this year, and it was just a matter of time until somebody knocked him out, and now he's done for the year. And I don't even know if they're going to start him at the beginning of next year if their offensive line isn't playing well or not significantly upgraded. So uh, the Bengals are done for the year. I mean, they might as well just pack it up pack it up, and go home. I'm taking the Giants in that game. We're going to move on to our next one, which is Titans and Colts. This is a huge game uh, for the AFC South. The Colts won the last meeting these two teams played, which means if the Colts sweep, they have the inside track uh, at first place in the AFC South because they would have the tiebreaker over the Titans. The Titans need this one bad. Last time they played, it was kind of like a stalemate in the beginning of the game. A.J. Brown dropped what would have been a really long touchdown, and that kind of shifted momentum. Colts got, you know, they they locked up on defense. Phillip Rivers looked pretty solid, and they ran away with the game after that. Uh, that was in Tennessee. So this week they're playing in Indianapolis. Phil Rivers has looked good the past couple of weeks. The Colts need this game because they actually still have a shot at a, a top three seed in the AFC because you got Pittsburgh, you got Kansas City, and then you have the winner of this game. Tennessee somehow came back last week to beat Baltimore after being down by two scores. I think it's going to be the same thing, same matchup it was the first time they played. Derrick Henry against the Colts defense. The Colts defense is legit. They've played now a handful of good teams, including Aaron. Now, Aaron Rodgers lit them up a little bit. But once they figured out what the Packers were doing, they put a stop to that real quick. Uh, I thought Tennessee was going to win the last game, and they kind of flamed out. I'm going to take the Colts here, mostly because they're at home. I don't think the Titans can stop anybody. I think the Colts can do the exact same thing they did last game, which is run the ball, you know, check it down to Naheem Hines. You know, get Michael Pittman involved. He's been slowly getting more and more involved as the season goes on. I think they'll just be able to control the clock, which means they're going to win the game. Now, is it possible that Phillip Rivers does what Phillip Rivers does and throws, you know, two or three interceptions and single-handedly costs them the game? Of course. Um, but he's been playing well. 
So I'm going to ride with the Colts this week. Big game. We have a couple more games at 1 o'clock. The Panthers and the Vikings. I really don't have much to say in this game other than Dalvin Cook is trying to acquire the single season. I mean, not, not the single season. The 2020 rushing record, I mean, uh, rushing leader, excuse me. It's a it's like neck and neck right now between him and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, tough matchup this week against the Colts, who we just talked about. Uh, Vikings against the Panthers on paper, super easy matchup. So I'm not really sure where, you know, that's kind of headed. Uh, the Panthers won last week with P.J. Walker at quarterback, which obviously I love to see because I kind of like the story of, you know, P.J. Walker. Um Vikings lost a stunner to the Cowboys somehow and knocked out uh, my friend Jess out of her suicide pool. She learned a very valuable lesson, and that would be you never pick or put faith in Kirk Cousins. With that being said, I'm going to put my faith in Kirk Cousins. I'm going to take the Vikings to win this game. Why am I taking the Vikings? Pretty much because they have Dalvin Cook. That's why I'm taking the Vikings. In games where they can control the clock, which I believe they'll be able to do in this game, they win. In games they don't do that, they lose. It's pretty simple for them. If, if Captain Kirk has to make a bunch of plays, they don't win the game. I'm um, taking the Vikings. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. I'm going to go to the next game, Cardinals at Patriots. And I wish that Lou was here because he would. this would have been electric for about 10 minutes because, you know, he always wastes time on the Cardinals. Uh, they lost last week. It's, it's really strange, isn't it? How every time the Cardinals lose, that Lou is not available to do the podcast with me. Very strange how that works. Very strange. Um, they did lose to Seattle last last week on Thursday Night Football in a good game. Kyle Murray got a little banged up. I just don't think the Patriots have the speed on defense to keep up with Kyler Murray. Right? We saw them get torched last week by Deshaun Watson even though I picked them to win because I thought they were going to run the ball and control the clock, which they kind of did, but not really. Um, The Patriots are one of those teams where they're hot and cold, which is weird to say about the Patriots. You never really know what you're going to get out of them. The Cardinals, even though Murray is banged up, he has an AC joint sprain, so it's going to be tough for him to be as accurate as he normally is. Um, I still think they're going to win the game. The Cardinals need this game to keep pace in the NFC West uh, because the Rams... And the Seahawks won last week, so they need this one bad. The Patriots still have an outside shot at getting a wild card, so this is actually a huge game. Um, Now, I know the the Cardinals' schedule gets really tough going forward. Uh, Let's see if we can pull that up real quick. Hold on. So, go to the Cardinals' schedule. Yeah, so here we go. At New England, they play the Rams, who are probably the best team in that division. And they played two of their tough games already. They played Buffalo. They played Seattle. They play the Giants, who they'll probably crush. They play the Eagles, who they'll probably crush. Then they finish up with San Francisco and the Rams again. So this is big for the Cardinals. Because if they can win this, they'll, they'll kind of keep them afloat. Because they still have two more wins coming with New York and Philadelphia. So you got to think, if they win this week, that's seven wins. They win two more, that's nine wins. They only have to win one more divisional game then to get to ten. And 10 wins normally get you into the playoffs, especially because, you know, the NFC East is not going to send a second team. And the NFC North is most likely not going to send a second team, which means it's really because Tampa's probably going to get in from the NFC South. So really, 
Arizona, Seattle, and Los Angeles Rams are fighting for three teams fighting for two spots. And it's who's going to get in, and I'm not really sure. So this is a big game for the Cardinals. I'm going to take them to win, but I think it's going to be close because obviously Belichick always keeps it close. Uh, The next game here, Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. There's not really much to say here. The Jets are terrible, even though they were competitive the past couple of weeks. Dolphins kind of got stuffed by Denver last week. Go figure. You know, we throw money on Miami and they go out and do that. Thank you, Tua. I appreciate it. Um, Tua doesn't really scare me a quarterback. I'm not going to lie. Even uh, I forgot. Like, my dad came in. He was like, he just looks like a game manager right now. And I'm not sure if that's by design or whatever. But the second Miami put Ryan Fitzpatrick back in, they were moving the ball up and down the field. So, now Tua has like a thumb sprain, but I think he's going to play. I mean, it's the Jets, so I don't think it matters. I'm going to take Miami and not spend too much time there. Now, the last game at 1 o'clock is Browns-Jags. It's in Jacksonville. The Jaguars are now going to start Mike Lennon at quarterback. So they are down, or they're now up to their third quarterback of the season. The Browns have won back-to-back super ugly games where they don't look impressive, but they're doing what the Browns need to do to win games. And that's run the ball, play defense, and win the ugly way. God, do I hate the ugly way. Oh, I can't watch it. It's so bad. This week should be a little bit easier for them because, like I said, Jacksonville's not good. Uh, I'm going to take the Browns here. I know I'm kind of zooming through some of these games, but I think we're getting to the point of the season where the super chalk games are truly chalk games. They, they're going to win. There's almost no way they lose. You know, barring Baker Mayfield turning it over three times, I can't see the Browns losing this game. Now, the other, now I said that was the last game at 1 o'clock. The Ravens and Steelers were supposed to play at 1 o'clock on Sunday, but within the past, you know, 20, 25 minutes, the Ravens have had four more players or, you know, people in the building test positive for COVID, and Lamar Jackson's one of them. I saw on Twitter a couple of minutes ago that it's unlikely this game is played on Sunday. So, and the other thing is, on top of this, in week 13, the Ravens were supposed to play um, on Thursday night. So now if the NFL wants to reschedule this, they're having to reschedule a million games. So I'm not going to waste my time thinking about this game right now because I don't even know if it's going to be played this week. So we're just going to go to 4 o'clock. Now, 4 o'clock to me has two good games and one not-so-good game. So I'll start with the not-so-good game. You have the Saints against the Broncos. Now, I would think this would be closer, actually, if Drew Brees was playing because he's not as good outside. But with Taysom Hill at quarterback, who obviously has a better arm than Drew Brees because I think everyone listening to this has a better arm than Drew Brees right now, they're going to be able to move the ball fine. Now, Denver did show up last week, but that was against Miami and a rookie quarterback. I think Sean Payton's too good, scheming guys up. Um, I'm going to take the Saints to win this game. Like some of the other ones, not going to spend too much time on it. Mostly because I just think the Saints are probably the best team in the NFC. Probably. And Denver is going to be 4-7 and seven if they lose this game. So they're not even in the top whatever of the AFC. So, like I said, it all, it all comes down to Drew Locke. When Drew Locke plays well, like last week, they win. When he plays terrible, they lose. You never know which version of Drew Locke you're getting. 
Saints defense has been on fire the past three weeks. I'm taking the Saints. The next 4 o'clock game, you have the 49ers at the Rams. This is a big game for the Rams because they cannot afford to lose to the banged-up 4-6 49ers. Now, they are getting some guys back. I saw Raheem Mostert should be back. Uh, Debo Samuel should be back. So they're getting a little bit healthier as the season goes on. They're 4-6. and six. I guess a win for them could keep them afloat. Uh, the Rams need this, though, because, like I said, same thing with the Cardinals. It's three teams fighting for two spots. So all those teams in the division really need to win as many games as possible. Boy, do I not trust Jared Goff, though. I know Lou's not here to make fun of him, because <laughs> normally I leave that to him because that's kind of his thing. But, he, you know, last week they won, and he played pretty well because obviously Cooper Cup and Robert Woods had huge games. But he still threw like two interceptions where it's like, what are you doing? Like, I just can't get over the fact that he makes boneheaded plays. Everyone's starting to kind of get on the Rams. Like, oh, their defense is really good. You know, they could actually make a push to the Super Bowl. God, as a Chiefs fan, if we make it to the Super Bowl, I pray that the Rams make it to the Super Bowl so we could annihilate them. Jared Goff in big games, never plays well. Like, super big games. So far, he's pulled out like two in his career. I don't trust him at all. But I will pick them this week to beat the 49ers. The line is currently the Rams giving six and a half. There's no way I would touch that. Um, especially the last time these teams played, it was, uh, I believe the 49ers won. It was a national, that was a national TV game. But that was before a lot of their guys got injured. So it should be a different game this week. We'll see. Um, but I guess I'm taking the Rams. The final game at 4 o'clock, 425, Chiefs and Buccaneers. I know me and Lou have had this circled on the calendar for, I don't know, months. We've been waiting for this game. Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady <laughs> looks like a scrub right now because I don't think it has anything to do with his diminishing talent. He's pretty much been this type of quarterback for a couple of seasons already. But Bruce Arians wants him to throw it down the field. And Tom Brady doesn't do that. So I don't know why we continue to try to throw it down the field when that's not what he does. Like, obviously, you have Antonio Brown, who's the best receiver in the league. Don't get it twisted. Like Lou said, terrible human being, great football player. And if you could put everyone in a vacuum and just take the best receiver, if you take anyone other than Antonio Brown, you don't watch football or you're ignorant, one of the two. He's a great yard-after-catch guy. Chris Godwin's a great yard-after-catch guy. And Mike Evans could be your possession receiver if you opted to run the Tom Brady offense, which is all five-yard checkdowns. I think if they want to beat the Chiefs, that's what they have to do. Because I think the Chiefs are going to come out, Spags knows, you rush four, you drop everyone else in the coverage, and you make Brady beat you throwing over the top. Now, back in the day, if you did that, that was probably a mistake when they had Randy Moss you know, and Wes Welker. But Tom Brady cannot throw the deep ball anymore. Tom Brady has not been able to throw the deep ball for quite a while. At the Chiefs' side of the ball here, the Buccaneers' defense have given up a ton of points the past couple of weeks. And obviously, you can't. no one can stop the Chiefs, so it doesn't really matter what you do. They're going to go nuts. I will say, though, I'm expecting a very quiet day from Clyde Edwards-Elair on the ground. Tampa's run defense is no joke. They're number one in the league. They give up like 65 yards rushing a game. You cannot run on the Buccaneers, which actually in this game might hurt them 
because that's just going to encourage the Chiefs to drop back and throw the ball even more. Um, and I'm not sure I want, if I'm the Buccaneers or a Buccaneers fan, I'm not sure I want Pat Mahomes dropping back to pass more than he normally does. Uh, it's also Sammy Watkins will probably be back for the Chiefs. Quick note on Sammy Watkins as a Chiefs fan. Now, Lou hates him because of fantasy purposes. I like Sammy Watkins as a real-life NFL player because the way the Chiefs are constructed, it's all like fast, super finesse guys. Sammy Watkins gives you that possession receiver. Like, obviously, Kelsey is pretty much a possession receiver. But, I mean, like, Sammy is... I mean, if Sammy's, your, like, your fourth option on the field, no one's fourth option could cover him. So, and we, I do, I know, we've had Demarcus Robinson, who's had a couple of good games, you know, filling in for Sammy. But if you watch the game, that guy is brain dead. Like, running routes, short of the sticks. He catches the ball and he pops backwards and gives away the first down. Like, he's a moron. Or either that or he's just not on, he's just trying to do too much. I don't know what it is. But he needs to take it easy. So, thank God Sammy's back. Obviously, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I do think it's going to be a close game because Tampa can get home with only four guys in the Chiefs' offensive line. If you watch the Raiders game, is currently super banged up and not good, which means Mahomes will be running for his life. And we do get to see Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, that was a guy I wanted the Chiefs to draft. We didn't do it. He's been killing it for Tampa, so i just like to see him play. Hopefully this week he has a terrible week, and then he can move on with his life and have a good week next week. Um, two more games to wrap us up. You got Sunday Night Football, Bears-Packers. You know that I hate divisional games on national TV because I get stuck watching these teams play twice a year anyway, so why are you going to force me to watch it during national television? The other bad part about this is now I'm forced to watch Nick Foles and or Mitch Trubisky because they're saying he might come back in. Foles is so bad. Play on national TV, so that's great. I don't really have much to say here other than just a recap of the Packers game from last week and a couple of weeks, you can bully the Green Bay Packers. You can bully them. They, If you get physical with them, you can beat them pretty handily because they don't react well to physical play. As for the Bears, can they do that? No, they can't run the ball. Can they bully them with their receivers? Yeah, they have Allen Robinson, but like they don't have a quarterback. They have no passing game. Now, their defense is really good. Their defense keeps them in a lot of games. I just think Aaron Rodgers does enough to kind of shred the Bears. Not shred, but, you know, move the ball, you know, a little more easily than most quarterbacks do. <laughs> and I just don't think the Bears move the ball at all. So I'm going to take the Packers here. Uh, it's in Green Bay. I just think Nick Foles and or Mitch Trubisky are both terrible, so they pretty much have no chance of winning. If the Bears lose this game, they will drop to 5-6, and six, and then I will start worrying big time about Matt Nagy's job security going forward. Last game, Monday Night Football, Seattle Seahawks at the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know what's going on with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is terrible. He makes terrible decisions. His mechanics are terrible. He doesn't read the defense pre-snap. It looks like he makes his mind up before the play starts where he's going to throw the ball. Um, he's really fallen off a cliff from where, where he was when he almost won. Well, he looked like he was on the verge of winning the MVP a couple of years ago. The Eagles are in trouble because they paid this dude a ton of money. 
and he's terrible. Like he's I don't know if he's fixable at this point because every year he's gotten like a little bit worse, which is definitely not good. And he has Doug Peterson, who is an offensive guy, as his head coach. And he has not been the same. I know, a popular take, but it's true. He has not been the same since Frank Reich has left the Eagles. So now here's my question, because you can't get rid of him, because his dead cap hit is, like, ridiculous, so you're stuck with him. Do you keep Doug Peterson and give him one more year to see if you could fix Carson Wentz? Or do you bring in another coach? And my follow-up question to that is because everyone's always looking to fire the coach. Who are you going to hire that's a better offensive coach than Doug Peterson? Right, because who are the guys on the market right now? Lincoln, Lo- Rink- Jesus, I can't speak right now. Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, who just coached Jalen Hurts, so he might want him to play, so I don't know if that's the best option to go. Eric Bieniemy, who runs the same exact offense that Doug Peterson does because they're both Andy Reid guys and they both came from the Chiefs, so I don't know if that's going to do anything. You, Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator for the Titans, maybe, because he might come in and want to run the ball a little bit more. You know, I don't really know if there's a, a true way to fix Carson Wentz, so I'm probably staying put with Doug Peterson for at least one more season and maybe just tell him, like, hey, we have to run the ball a little bit. Um, as for the Seahawks, big win last week. I think they're going to win this week. This was my final game on the Friday fire that I took coming up. Seattle's getting five points. I know Seattle plays a ton of close games, but I just can't see the way, even against the Seahawks defense, I can't see Carson Wentz doing anything to beat Seattle. And Russell Wilson is just going to march the ball up and down the field against this Eagles defense. I think this one could get ugly. Now, it is supposed to rain, which always throws a wrench into the game. And if I knew that ahead of time, I probably would have dodged that for the Friday fire. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm confident in Russell Wilson. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I feel like the Seahawks have played the Eagles, like, super late in the season or in the playoffs, like, every year for the past, like, three or four seasons. So this year, no different. Week 12 against the Eagles. I'm taking Seattle. Go Russell Wilson, go. I think with Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson back, they will have some semblance of a run game, even though running against the Eagles doesn't work. Which, like I said for the Chiefs-Buccaneers game, I don't know if telling Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes to drop back to pass more than normal is a good idea for a defense. But if the strength of your defense is your run defense, that's kind of what we're looking at there. So that's going to wrap it up for me late on Thanksgiving night. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. If you want, or you should, follow me on Instagram, at Tim Ferdinand. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Beak Brands. And if you're looking for Lou, you can follow at Lou Jocks. Remember, Tuesdays are Tom Ruppel Tuesdays, normally UFC. So if you're into that whole get into a, you know, octagon and beat the living hell out of one another, Tuesdays might be the day for you. We will talk to you guys next week as that wraps it up for our Week 12 previews.